Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Good morning. Give me a second. Somebody should say something while I'm getting my technical side of it together over here. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Hello. I want to celebrate. I had last week when I was not here, I did Rage Club, introduction to Rage Club, with 29 women between 65 (laughs) and 99. And it was amazing. It was... I, they, they did the towel exercise. And then at the end, I, I stimulated them to do two minutes how, uh, about the situation, however anger comes out. And then two minutes by starting every sentence, I'm angry because, and then two minutes, by starting every sentence, I want. And the I want was the most difficult for them. But it wow. was so great. I was so great. Really. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Go, Ingrid. <laughs> Yay, Ingrid. Yay. Yeah. Ingrid, can, Go, can Ingrid. you say more about what was difficult? In that I want, yeah, I... they always wanted to say, Je voudrais, I would mm. like. Uh... They, they didn't, they, they didn't mm. dare to say, I want. It, Can you... it was not for how do... everybody. How do you say that in French? Je, je veux, et ah. je voudrais. Right, Thank you. Thank you. But look at but, your face, Ingrid. <laughs> but try to answer. Try to answer Sonia's question. What was? Why was it difficult for them? Do you think? Um, okay. Um, they to dare to dare to say. Je veux, I want was too, too direct, too much anger necessary. They were not used to the energy to say, I want. The sword of clarity was more difficult, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And really to connect to themselves, to themselves was more difficult. To to really stand for what you, for that you, I want, for what you want. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. what you're telling us is fear. To yeah. really, to, it was fear to really stand for what they want, and so Fear Club is next. After yes. Rage Club <laughs> is Fear Club. <laughs> yes. 
Thank you. Would somebody else like to say anything as we're getting started here? Me, I want to say um, thank you because I'm so happy of being connected with so many of you and that we start like connecting people, each other. And I find the tools and the experiments that you, that, that you suggest and the new experiments that appear um, um, a beautiful way of transfer transforms our lives. And I see the ripples going, going <laughs> in the waters. And I'm so excited and so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> the ripples going in the water. Yeah. You know, the thing with ripples is they, they're a single ripple, but when the two ripples meet, they add to each other. They go up mm -hmm. even higher. So that's really what's happening is these ripples start meeting and then the ripples get add together. Really valuable. Thank you. Anybody else? Something else? Well, this kind of relates to what Ingrid was saying, and I'm exactly in that age group of women, um, although I'm not quite yet 99, <laughs> uh, is that I I was trying to say what I wanted for like several months, the same thing that I wanted. I wasn't getting the results that I wanted, and I finally got used my sort of clarity and got very clear about it. In and without doing it in the kindest way I could without being, you know, just without being hurtful. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I just did that about, oh, well, yesterday. <laughs> so I will tell you what the outcome is next week or okay. in two weeks. We'll see. <laughs> wow. I mean, the thing about saying what you want is it was really shocked to me when I realized that I I could say what I want, even if I knew that it was impossible. Because if I if I don't say what I want, then I'm lying to myself or lying to the world. And even though it's impossible what I want, I can still say it, you know, it's still what I want, really. And then, yeah, just, I encourage people to really keep doing that, really pushing the edge on that one. And actually, I did get a good response in that he heard me. He, he, and he appreciated the way that I said it. Whether he will res follow through with it, with, you know, that commitment, we'll see, remains to be seen. Yeah. That yeah, well, was an invitation. You know, you're just, yeah. this is what I want. It's an invitation. And it's not about uh, trying to change other people, you know, because, you know, I can want all these other people to change. That's not really useful. I, I start with the example of my mother, you know, was not, I was not able to change my mother, for example. And after that, I have even less power. So, so it's it's not about changing people, but it is about not stopping lying to yourself, stopping being 
adaptive, stopping being a nice person, stopping being, you know, pleasing other people like that, stopping giving your center away, stopping giving your authority away, all of those things. And even finding what you want is such a journey because we change, you know, you change, people change, you change. And so what you want changes. And it's fine to say, look, I used to want this and now I want that. And I changed my mind or I changed or this became important to me. And especially on this path, our our values change and <clears throat> our perceptions change. And so what has value at one time no longer has value. I'm sure you know this. I mean, probably you can think back to a time when you really wanted something like this. There's a word in, in Hindu. It's called Raha or something like that. It's this, it's this absolute, I have to have this. If I don't have this, I will not be happy. You know, this is the thing. I need this thing. And then you go through all this effort and you get this thing. And a couple of years later, you look back at that thing and go, huh, I remember that time when I had this sensation where I have to have that and I don't have that anymore. And you can even give give it, give it away or sell it or just throw it away or whatever, where this thing or a situation, you know, I have to have it or I'm, I'm the leader or I'm invisible. I have to be invisible, whatever the thing is. And then you can go, well, gosh, I, I really don't need to be invisible anymore. And so it's to honor that your steps on the path, to honor your evolutionary change, to respect it. And don't think that once you have said a thing that it has to stay that way, you know, forever in terms of a, uh, oh, a, you know, to be, to have integrity, it doesn't mean that you always stay the same. That's not what integrity means. You know, integrity is about doing what you say you're going to do. And so it, and it also, it doesn't mean to be sane. You know, if I'm, 15 years ago or five years ago, I said this and now I'm changing my mind. It makes me feel like I'm going crazy. Well, no, what you're doing is evolving. You're waking up or you're taking, you're expanding your awareness and taking greater levels of responsibility because responsibility is just consciousness in action. And so as your values evolve, they'll evolve along with you. Like you're evolving as your, as your wants evolve. And the point is, in terms of relating, is just being clear about it. Just sim really simple and clear about it. So thank you for bringing that up, Phyllis. It's really I, yay for your edge work experiment. Somebody else has something else? Yes. I uh, Today, I was the last day on my apartment. And so I delivered the keys. I'll be... I'm doing this uh, new experiment of traveling around Portugal, and I'm I'm feeling a lot of fear about this. And in this process, I was sharing the apartment with my brother and a friend of his, and I discovered that I. I think that I'm responsible for my family and for their happiness. And I have this big weight on 
on me. And there's this story that if I don't do something, they will suffer and I'm responsible for their happiness. And I want to ask for an EHP about this and who will hold space for me for this. I see Demetra and Angela and Ingrid. It's great. Thank you. Sonia, there could be a couple layers to that. It's a big enough kind of theme that there could be a couple layers. So you can keep an eye open to see, okay, that was the first layer. It was huge. And and uh, next week there could be another layer, two or three more layers coming up. Just pay attention to that. It's really big, big one. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Sonia, we also, there's a website called Nomadic. I'm pretty sure it's called nomadic.mystrikingly.com. And it's, it's be, there's a number of us who are, are nomadic and it's a, I think it's a step in the in the path somehow is to let go of physical objects and physical having a home and having a place you know a, a place that that we are familiar with and really letting go of that and there's so I think there's there's hints about that there's a there's some a lot of information that's useful for that and there's not much information on the on that website at all so if you if you and and Janet, you and and Adore, I don't know who else is out there on the road, but um, please keep some notes about what what's important for what is actually involved in going nomadic and what the what you know what to do what to do about it you know what's what's to do what's the purpose of it how to make use of it what to watch out for what to take care of. How to hand there's tricks to handle your banking, there's tricks to handle your food, there's tricks to handle uh your health, for example. So there's all these things to take care of in a different way when you're nomadic. And so that would be, you know, some of us have, have developed really efficient kits, like a kit for uh our health or our a kit for taking care of um you know, things that rip, you know, a sewing kit you know, a Band-Aid kit and the different kinds of kits are small enough and light enough. And, you know, we need, you know, it's helpful to have lists of those kits, for example, on the website. So any hints that people have for being nomadic, please just send them to Clinton at nixculture.org or the WhatsApp, WhatsApp thing. I mean, uh, Telegram. And because I'm not on WhatsApp, so Telegram. And that would be super to get those into the website for everybody else to share. Thank you. Okay, thank cool. you. Yeah, so that, so Sonia, something... just so Sonia, that's something you know. Re, you're researching being nomadic and being since it's such a you know you hand it over your keys. That's the point where it starts, and there's stuff that comes up, and there's stuff to handle. And if you just make notes in your book and send it to us, it's a perfect point of research is at the beginning. That's why. Thank you. Who was speaking? You. Who was speaking next? I'm... Go. Yeah, I. I don't want to go nomadic at the moment, but I nevertheless want to do serious space clear outs in the next four weeks. 
I want to, like, I noticed that my energetic body is really suffering with the amount of stuff lying around in this place where I live. And then there's also emotional layers. I want to do some clear out, relation space, clear out, and so on. And I want to ask who wants to be on my team in the next four weeks for listening spaces or for EHPs. All right, start writing. You've got Gabriel, Le Chemin. And you've got Sonia Gonzalez, and you have Angela Niederberger, and Ingrid Schmidthusen, and Dimitra Bali. You know, I could not believe that Bali was Dimitra's last name, so I forced her to show me her passport, and it's really <laughs> her last name. I mean, what a last name. It's amazing. And Dimitra, your website. Are you working on your website? I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, and who else had their hand up? Anybody else? Oh, and Mark, Mark Cindy. Ellen, I have you. And you and have Janet. Mark and Mark. And wow. Janet. Yeah. That's well, great. And, and Catherine. Oh, yeah, cool. Perfect. Thank you. I will create a group and reach out to you. Great. Wow. Report back, okay? Because yeah. this is this is a uh, it's another uh there's another website that could use some whatever you discover, Ava, on this on this thing, this clean out thing. And it's called uh, Radical Simplicity. And this Whoa. is a part of Radical Simplicity. And we need that whatever your notes are from this whole, you know, why did you collect the things in the first place? Or how does that happen that you end up? What is the cost? You know, what does it cost you to, you said, just cleaning out your relationship space. Is that what you said also? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, okay, what's going on in there? So, you know, why, why are we clinging? Why do we cling to stuff? You know, like all these things and what happens when you, when you, you know, put things in, in Germany, wherever you're in Germany, right? Yes. Amazing, incredible uh, uh, tradition in Germany, where if you put something out on the street, it's a free flea market. And, and people keep their eyes. It's a, It's only that country that I know of. You put something on the street, it's gone. You have to yeah, be careful. And you really have to take care not to look into those boxes or yeah. you come back home with more stuff. All right. Actually, actually that's <laughs> happening in Eugene quite a bit too. And people oh, wow. are actually... People are actually putting them on the neighborhood site. Come by this address and take what you want. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's enough stuff in the world, really. For, for every, We don't need to manufacture more stuff in the world. And so it accumulates. And it's, it's time for the backwash, to, for the wave to go backwards. You know, we collect, we collect, we collect. And then it's time for that to go, the, the tide to change. It's time for the tide to change. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, team. What's the name of that team, Ava? You have to give it a name. Yeah. De- I don't know. Decluttering team. Yeah. Or... Perfect. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New is D something. Yeah. <laughs> Deconstruction. Anybody else sharing something else? Clinton. Yes. <clears throat> this is Mark. Hello. Uh, uh, Mark, is it me? Yeah, Mark next, and then Habet. Okay, Mark first. Oh wait, Mark, can you can you relinquish to Habet because she's in a special circumstance? Yeah. Okay, Habet, you go first, and then Mark next. Habet, you come on. Can you come back? 
ask to unmute. Yes. Good, uh, go. I'm, um, I want to ask for a team because I had the situation that I, um, I was practicing in a dojo. Like I, I opened the dojo and I, I, I gave myself as a practice, let's say. And then, uh, in fact, I, I went into, uh, the emotional healing process and there is a mix of, uh, of fear and sadness and, there's this bouncing back between desperation and guilt. And that this, this is a pattern and I want to look at it and I need a team for it. I need a team that is also into decontamination because what I experience is that this is the, the hook, like the trigger point of, of a gremlin child play that's going on. And it, it shapes a lot uh, so, of how so I... Go ahead, just ask. Yeah, who would like to be in my team to look into this trigger? Dor and Mark and Ingrid. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. Mark, you're on. <clears throat> One thing I noticed was that a Beth on the Possibility Creation Village team put in a request <clears throat> at the start of our meeting to be on one of the groups. And I was just curious if anybody reached out to Beth and said, hey, we're on this call. Would you like to come and actually get some stuff here? Um, <clears throat> that was one curiosity. <clears throat> but what I really want to speak to <clears throat> is the statements about I want. I heard you connect that in your first example with impossible. Who's and I wanted you, to who's flip the it you? over. Who's the you you're talking you, to? Clinton. Okay, you, you gotta said, use people's say names. I want even though it's impossible. Clinton said, say I want even if it's impossible. I want to relate to say I want to all five bodies. I want good health. My body hears that and tells me, well, then maybe don't eat this crap food and eat this other food. So I just want to put that in perspective, too, or, or a distinction. The I want is powerful because if we speak to our bodies, our bodies are listening and want to have a communication with us. I do massage practice, and that's what I teach almost all my clients that they don't know. They don't understand their body is there, it listens and it talks. So your body is there, it listens and it talks. We've been trained to not listen to our body. So I just hold that up and that's one of my biggest practices is to listen to my own body. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I would rather say I appreciate you listening to me. I understand I have a gremlin with my thank yous. I'm working on it. Well, while Mark brought back up the subject of the I want, it's also really useful to determine which I is speaking and, and be aware of that because if the 
child contaminated adult is speaking or the gremlin contaminated adult is speaking or which I is speaking when you say I in I want. And when you when you get to this, when you do this decontamination work and you get to this place of having a free and natural adult, which uh, is is not being hijacked by the child or parent or or gremlin or demon, whatever. And, and it's really you find yourself centered in this leverage point it's a fulcrum point and you say i want and a whole another level of i starts showing up which includes your bright principles and your archetypal lineage for example and even things like echo can start working through the small now i that's speaking in the moment and you're actually when you're holding space this is a space holder hint when you're holding space for a process or a workshop or training or you know rage club or fear club or, or you're when you're holding space and you say i want it can surprise you to learn that it's actually what the space wants the space speaks through you because the space does not have a mouth you are the mouth for the space and it shocked me the first time i realized like i said i want your shoes in an impeccable order on the shoe shelf. And I wasn't talking for me. It was not neurotic Clinton speaking. It was this drala of the space that was speaking through me saying, I want. And, and because the space wanted to ramp up into a whole new level of magical work in the space. And it could not because the shoes were a mess on the floor. So it was the space speaking through me saying, I want. So this, this journey of I want continues and it's a, I love this journey. Eva, go ahead. Yeah. I really, I want to know how do you distinguish between this, I, I, like living in community. I so often heard the sentence. Yeah. You know, the greater good wants, or this is what is needed. And it's just, fuzzy we thing going on there's somehow this concept of what the space needs or what would be good for everybody now and how do you distinguish between that going on and what you've just if you oops sorry yeah if you listen to the recording of what you just said your answer will be at least partly there because so do you know which feeling you had when you were saying that it looks like your mouth is making i'm say, angry say it again i'm angry yes yes that's how you tell that's how you tell when this we okay. You get it? When this we thing starts yeah. creeping in, it's just, you know, you know, instantaneous anger. And this is how you tell. It's go, who, you know, who, what, this is bullshit. You know, your bullshit detector is going, ah, 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 you know, so your sword and your bullshit detector. And that's how you tell. And you so you just grab the person by the neck, throw them on the floor and say, who are you, who are you talking about, really? This is your mother. 
you know, this is some philosophical idea. You know, this is this is whatever your teacher in third grade talking. You know, it's not okay. okay. Now I know why I often got the feedback I should do martial arts. It's to do that move. Yeah, just do the move. That is martial yes. arts. That is that is martial arts. That's useful martial arts. You know, um, gosh, the, the founder of Aikido, uh, uh, God, what's his name? San, what is the sensei? The sense, somebody have the top of their head, the founder of Aikido. It's just behind there. So anyway, he told this story of after 30 years of teaching everybody in the world how to do Aikido, somebody said, well, did you ever, did you ever do, did it ever serve you to do Aikido? You know, did you ever? And he said, well, one time, one time my son was being attacked by some hoodlums out on the street. And so I ran out to do Aikido on them and I slipped in the mud and fell down. So I wasn't able to do anything. And so it's like, hey, what is martial arts really for? It's for this anger. It's for being able to say, hey, it's not, you know, which eye is talking there? It's, you know, blending into this cloud of we responsibility doesn't happen in this space. It's just, you know, child ego state fantasy world thinking that somebody else is going to do it for you. So none of that here. That. Cool. Thank you. Somebody else, anybody else? Yes. 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 I, this Sunday I held space the first time for a couples coaching, despite my boxer story that I cannot do it because I don't have enough experience. And the space was really, it was flying. It was four hours. And it flew by like in one hour. And afterwards, all people were fried like chicken. Like I, I, I drove home in the car and I was just screaming out of joy, out of fear, out of the intensity of this space. And it was so like, I feel like a part of me really got alive in that. And this is something I want to do. I want to, I'm a, like, I want to coach people in relating processes. And I noticed another thing, <laughs> another thing in that was they, they didn't come together. They didn't, they, they weren't like, okay, now we, we going to love each other until the end of the days. And I noticed that a part of my fantasy world is that this is how it should be, but something else happened in the space and like to, to notice that. It's not what I think should happen in a relating process or in in people's lives that's going to happen in a space, but something else, like I'm just holding space for their, like their authentic life force expressing itself and making their choices for them. I was so glad. I'm great. Celebrate this. And in this, I noticed this pain that actually comes from separated parents that still lingers in that and where I, yeah, where I think I need to heal relationships if they like, yeah, even though they do not exist, but in that term. Yeah, thank you. The 
my little worry I had just a little worry Kian is that once you become you an agent like once you have agency in this domain which you know that's a a demonstration or example of you having agency in a in a domain that you were not aware of before so much and all of a sudden you discover that you have agency there this does not mean that that is your it does not necessarily mean that that is your calling you know that is your specialty so so when you say i want to do that you know you could be blocking other uses that the earth coincidence control office has for you you know if your ego goes god finally i found something that i can do and it clings on so i can be special or i can be a good a good you know partnership counselor you know and you cling on to that then you you're blocking the evolutionary flow of other of where you could be moved you know echo grabs you by the shirt and moves you off somewhere else just like it did to this case it moved you in there and if you start saying, okay, this is it, I've got it, you know, and this is what I can do, you're you're going against forces that are, you're cutting off an interesting future. You know, you're cutting off an alignment with Echo that would be really valuable for you and other people. So I'm just, it's a little warning about that. So. Thank you. I, I noticed that. What, okay. Grasping. Yeah, grasping. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's how it goes. Yeah, you I never have, know. I have. And I have one other observation. The repairing relationship. You mentioned the parent breakup, and you mentioned having an expectation at the end of it that they would all be like kumbaya or whatever. <clears throat> to just watch for the fact that relationships aren't meant to be permanent necessarily. They go through life cycles. They die. Right now, my roommate is going through the death of a dating relationship. And he is clinging. And he tells himself he knows that the relationship isn't for him. And he clings to it. So just to have an awareness that sometimes helping people let go and see what happens can be really useful. Because we're so trained to cling. We built this boat. It must sail. It's like it's got holes in it. Let it go. So just a different aspect of relationships. Thank you. Thank you. It's I'm so enjoying the sharing of our edge work experiments in this space because that's exactly where we are in the book in this studying about doing edge work experiments. And so I just totally inspired by people's sharing of our edge work experiments. And I thank you for that. So was there anybody wanted to share another one before I dive right into the book? I know a lot of you are doing, are doing them. So this is great. Somebody else, Dimitri, you're going to say something? Yes, I want to say something. Excuse me, I need something behind me. Um, yeah, on Sunday, I was really, like what I experienced, I was uh, really deep in the swamp, 
and um, uh, someone texted me, uh, Eva, Eva Witzman texted me, and uh, like she hasn't texted me, I don't know, like years, like two years, maybe one and a half years. And she texted me, said, Dimitra, are you coming to the lab? I would like to have a call with you today. And I said, Eva, I am in the swamp. Can we have a talk uh, another time? Because I assumed that she didn't want to see me like that or listen to me. And then, and then she said, I have uh, 15 minutes if you want. I can. I want to listen to you. Do you want? And then I said, yes, thank you. And uh, uh, while she was holding the space, and I had fifteen. I have fifteen minutes of listening space. I. I was. Um, I got conscious that. Uh, it was so difficult for me, even that I have all this space to be there without doing nothing. Because he said, Dimitra, you don't need to do nothing. You can't just be, just be, be. And like, and I was trying to be, to be like this, just be and, and be in the swamp and, 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 and bring everything out to her. And then it got conscious to me. Yes, it, it becomes so conscious that I, I have to, um, I have this, um, um, this mechanism that I need to perform, like I cannot just be, like I cannot just be, it's so difficult. And, and it became so conscious, even, even in this, even if I have all the, the yes to be like, be. And it was, it was great because, um, uh, it was great because I had like a, and then she said to me, can you allow, is, is, is it okay, like, can you be, can you be shit and walk like this and be okay to be shit, like shit, you know, shit, what I mean, to be like broken. And, um, yeah, it, it, and I, I, she sent me about, she sent me an article about the agents of, of, I don't remember, like how is to walk around the city and be broken. And yes, I, I didn't manage to be okay with that yesterday. And today I, I managed, I managed today to, to be okay with that and to, to also to be with my mother, like impossible and be able for the first time to express my feelings and she was able not to be hooked by this and uh, that was uh, yeah because I was just I was sad in front of her and I said okay I'm sad I'm sad because I have to make this mess and I don't know how to how to how to make it right and it was the first time that my mom didn't got hooked and uh, she she was like a space holder like for her it's not so easy I mean um so that's my experiment thank you in that trainer path group we've been working with a process that and chloe and i discovered 
while driving around in a car last week, and we were calling it centering the being. So, I we start we we practiced it in the, our trainer path meeting, and it 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 worked again really well. And so I made a website for it called Centering the Being. Mystrikely.com, and it starts to. It has a pretty good description of how it goes, and we will be putting on some demonstration videos of people actually doing the process with each other. And if you're interested in that, you could go to the website and arrange with each other to do this. To do this, and it, this, the idea is simple, and it's exactly Dimitra what you were saying, which is we focus on trying to fix things or trying to make things better or working on ourselves, or do, doing this work and practicing and doing, having our practices and mm, we, the action part of it, it becomes sort of obsessive, it becomes the focus. So we get so focused on the actual actions or the efforts or the, or the, the the steps to take that we or our being is off center it's not we're we we find ourselves focused on the externalities or the details or the necessities or the demands or the requirements and all that and we're focused on that and that there's that's at a certain level it's time for the being to stand up in the world you know, to, to come back to set and actually put the being center in the being and ex come from there. And so uh, I encourage people to go, you know, check out the website. Thank you for putting it there in the chat and uh, and to watch the videos when we get them up in the next week or so and mm, do that with each other. And I think that you can and I think it's worth it. So. And yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. It's a new discovery that we're exploring and I encourage you to try it out, see what you discover also. But thank you, Demetra. It's a really what you were talking about. It's, it's really that. So thank you. I think I want to I want to share something that uh, that I've been doing and that this is really not easy for me to do. Um, it's like I've been dealing with the uh, trying to create a possibility team where I live, and and dealing with the pain of people kind of saying they will join join and they don't. And um, dealing with this this pain of of yeah actually just just missing people or missing this integrity or not checking even this integrity with with, with people and yeah I, I just want to share it that I what what I practiced it was just staying with it instead of some part of me wanted to to go really angry and 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 it wasn't helpful actually <laughs> so 
So, so I, I just stay with it. And, and that's, that's my experiment for now. And, and now there is one person that, that, uh, a new person that is committed and want to start. So. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's a whole theme about opening doors. You can open a doorway, and but you you cannot force people to go through the doorway, or it's not possibility management. Then it's school. You know, it's called if they can force you to come to the class, it's school. And so, the the fear, the clinging, though the commitment that people have to maintaining their current condition is really strong. It's a really strong condition. And you're offering a doorway to possibility. And possibility is an agent of change. And this this inner this battle between keeping things the same and embracing change is a huge uh experimental ground because even though we're designed for evolutionary change, which means fundamental change. We're designed for that as human beings. We have been trained to try to keep things the same, to try to grip onto a way of life or a success story or a self-image and and market that, you know, or, or believe in it ourselves as if it's true and real and should stay like that. And and with with almost no role models around, pe- people encounter your doorway of opportunity to engage possibility or, or source possibility together. And it's just scary. It's just so different from everything else. At the same time, there are ways to announce your invitation in a broader way that's more chaotic, that has more of a chance to actually find the random people who, who are ready in their lives or have an interest to do the edge work of encountering possibility. And one way that I found was to uh, put up a, a, a little notice in weird places around town. I mean, Phyllis was, remembers those days where we put posters around the campus of the university and they, they were just this simple little thing, you know, that we're having a meeting and it, it wasn't such a big deal. It was, it was, but people came, people, people came. And so, Every city that I went to after I left college, I would put up these little posters. And and within a week or two, I had eight or ten edge workers coming to regular meetings. And there were not people that I knew. They were, they were complete strangers. And some of them were very strange in terms of the word strange, stranger. There were quite some strange people coming around. And these days, there are whole things that never existed last millennium. But, you know, there's all these things like rainbow festivals and, you know, Burning Man and like all these things that didn't exist before that encourage radical expression of yourself, you know, radical exploration of your of your edge work experiments. And, and people are more hungry for it now than they were. But there's still, you know, the curve is kind of like this. Back when I first started or Phyllis and I first started, it was back here. It's basically nobody. And over the 20, 30 40 years, whatever, we're starting to get to somewhere over here in the curve. You know, it's kind of like starting to go noticeably go up. Like if I look back five years, 
there's a lot more wild stuff going on than there was than there there is now more wild stuff going on than there was even five years ago. So the change is noticeable. But we're definitely not up here in the in the exponential part of the curve yet. So there's still mostly a, a fear-based uh, culture of trying to be normal or trying to maintain the status quo. And that is a that's one of the toughest things in the world to change or to to um, put a crack in the status quo. You know, and we've got advantages now. You know, you've got a war in Ukraine. You've got global warming. You've got uh, COVID. You've got agents of chaos that are far, that are massive in terms of people being able to hold on to their ordinary world. And so you can use that to your advantage in terms of how long do you think the world is going to stay together? You know, like it's like it is marketed to us that it will stay together like that. How long do you think, you know, are you are you ready to gain more agency in your life? You know, that's a huge thing. People have almost no agency. They can be consumers and that's about it. You can complain. You can walk in the street and have police, you know, put pepper spray in your eyes and hit you with batons. You know, that's that's what you get. It's what you're offered in terms of change. And so if people are actually really ready for something else, that more and more people are getting to that point. So it's, I'm, I appreciate you being out in the, in the hinterlands of France, you know, trying to open up some space for people and you've got allies. I mean, and Chloe, for example, is, you know, we're translating sparks, you know, it's around the corner that we'll do an expand the box training in France, you know, it's coming up. And so just, that's how, that's what it's like in new territory. It's really a desert. You know, it's really a bunch of edge workers are hiding out and they don't even know that any other edge workers exist. And so it's so valuable to bring them together in a possibility team, and start learning Arkan language and creating things that were not possible before. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to... I want to share something also. Oh, door, door, hold on one second. I, Ingrid goes first and then door, okay? Thanks. Go ahead, Ingrid. I want to share. I, for example, I am offering a rage club. I never feel ready to offer rage club. I have a really a bad relationship to rage. I, I had fear of my own rage and I decided to do it just um, to to create in to anchor in myself more risk risk taking and and uh, I in my I offered two race clubs in autumn and one in person and one online. The online I had several people, but in person I had only one person. And I and I stick to it. I stick to it just to 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 um to offer echo or the universe or life that I become a center 
for people which are between monoculture and something different that I would be the 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 transition person and uh, I I notice how it's stabilizing myself in becoming really more and more in every moment an experimenter so and to be an experimenter this really is uh, uh, yeah makes me give me joy and it it's uh, strengthen my own observation of myself and my this this identification about f- former roles I have. So one person is enough. One person is enough. What a fantastic way to say it, the former roles that I had. <laughs> Let them roll off your back like water off the back of a duck. Just... Let it go by. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, the I was with a man, Mike McDonald, in, in Santa Rosa, California, and he was a kind of a edge worker, spiritual teacher type guy. And we said, we're going to San Rafael in California to give a talk. Would you like to come? And so I said, yes. And so he and I drove down there and he was going to give this talk. And I really looked up to this guy and I, I got he he really taught me so many amazing things. We get to the room and we wait and one person shows up for the talk and he gives the most amazing talk. Almost I we've never I wish I would have recorded it. His whole heart, his whole being, the whole he was like talking to a thousand people to this one person and me as just, you know, the, the janitor. And it was fabulous talk to one person and this completely blew my mind you know i go okay well let's pack up and go home he goes why i go well there's only one person here he says there is one person here there is a person here and he just gives this amazing talk and i will never forget it and it's such a big thing to actually take a stand like that so thank you and now you have 20 some people coming to your rage club (laughs) thank you Thank you. Okay, Dor, go ahead. Yeah, I want to share for Gabriel, there's what came up for me, there was another side to that, where I heard you say that you had anger and it was not useful for you or something like that. And what I discovered, it works for me that every time that people don't show up to the stuff that I do, which happens a lot, is that I kind of go go into myself and see what is the feedback in that. What is, like, where can I be more clear about my proposals? Which, for example, that's one of my gremlin strategies to be not clear in my proposals. So then people see it and and that may be like 1% or 5% of their decision not to come. So you can use your anger every time that that this happened to kind of see where where you can, where is this a training for you to make different proposal, make, um, change your proposal. I don't know. And really you can ask, you can use a team for that also to ask, to asking the team, like I, I did, this was my proposal, and one person came, like, what, 
like how can I improve my proposals? Something like that. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. In the book, I'm on page 225. We're in this edge work experiment section. And there's a there's a map of edge work right there in the book. It's really simple. It has three three steps in a procedure or something. And step one is find an exciting edge, it says. And if I was working on this now, I would I would add more words to the just the simply the word exciting, because exciting is not necessarily the definition of of the most appropriate edge to be working on. So you could find a scary edge or a useful edge or an edge that has been invisible to you for all your life until right now you discover, oh my gosh, there's a, there is an edge here. And you can, so you have to find the edge first, which in the, in the bridge work from modern culture to next culture, the, the the first step is to find the edge of modern culture and it's a shock for anyone in modern culture to realize that modern culture has an edge because modern culture is marketed as the best things that human beings ever invented on planet earth and 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 it's supposed to encompass everything and in fact it's just this little island and it has these edges all around of the thoughtware limits of the awareness limits or consciousness limits of modern culture. It's just an island. Little island has all these edges. And so the sheep are, 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 are given stimulus to keep looking in at the center of modern culture instead of realizing that it has edges. And so when people get tired of the show at the center of modern culture, you know, the wars and the new products and the polit political intrigue and blah, blah, you know, all this news. When you get tired of that, you start looking around for what else there is. And then you discover that modern culture has an edge. And it, so it could be any kind of an edge at all. It could be your own internal, personal, inner navigating edge. Or it could be the way that you show yourself edge or the way that you communicate or ask questions. Like what questions are you unwilling to ask? of another person, and that's an edge. So there's so many edges where, that you can go to. So you find an edge that would be profitable or useful for you to work with, and you go to that edge. That's number two, go to that edge um, fully, which means it isn't just stick your toe in. It isn't like consider it for 30 seconds and go back. It means really go, go to the edge and stand there. You stay at the edge, and you and you know that. I mean, just from life, you can see where that it's at the edges that evolution occurs the most. It's the interface between two media, like between the air and the water, between the water and the land. You know, between that's this interface between you know solid and liquid. That's interface zone where where stuff is really happening. That's, and that's the edge. And the thing is to go there and, you know, our box is freaking out because our box is going, is like, well, you're feeling afraid at the edge. How do you know you're at the edge? Because you feel afraid. That's how you can tell there's fear there. 
And so you go, fear, uh, hello, fear, what do you have for me? And you go, ah, I must be at the edge. Fear tells you you're at the edge. And you stay there and you just keep breathing. That's all. So find the edge, go to the edge and stay there. And then when you can get it together at the edge, the step three is you do edge work experiments. And the edge work experiments do not have, there are not these big things. It is not like step over the edge, leap over the edge. And there's all this modern culture marketing, you know, leap over the edge, you know, like that. It's not about that. It's about staying at the edge and developing, like deepening the context with which you're approaching being at the edge. That is an edge work experiment. Is to, is to, is to, and, and what you will find when you stay at the edge is that the edge is no longer there. The edge moves because you're you, you you start becoming home. You start finding roots at the edge. It's no longer the edge for you. It becomes new part of your territory. You've taken something that was nothing and you've made it into new territory for yourself. And then, and it does not take so long, especially for you guys. It will not take so long for the edge to become solid ground. And what that means is that the, you've transformed through staying at the edge, you transform it into not being an edge anymore. And then you have to look around, got to look around, go, where did the edge go? Because this is normal. This becomes, you become competent. You gain new competence in this place that before was the edge. And you built out territory in such a way that you can give a work talk on what, bef what just before was the edge. Like the, the best place to give a work talk is at your edge. It's really the best place for discovering what's what's discovering yourself, discovering the edge is by giving a work talk about it and asking, you know, here's what I know. Here's the distinction about whatever your edge is. And, and then you go, any questions? After five minutes of talking, go, any questions at your work talk? And, and there will be all these questions and you will not have the answers, but they will be available at the edge. And you just let the edge inform you. You just like let the edge speak through you to the people and they will ask questions that you will never have thought of before. It's fabulous entertainment to go give a work talk because then you, 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 you speak before you know what you're going to say. You know, you speak from the unknown. You let the unknown speak through you. There's a website called Speak From The Unknown. And practice that in the work talk. And so you'll be able to answer questions that you don't know the answers to before the work talk. And by the work talk itself is a space that changes an edge into new territory, not only for you, but also for all the people in the talk. And they go home fed. They go home, they go, wow, I never thought of this before. I had these new possibilities. It's And all I had to do is go to this work talk. And of, of course, in a work talk, you do a little exercise where people get to practice something at the edge. So they have a little liquid state. And that's what the exercise is for during a work talk. And I remember I went into a town and I was just discovering this. It was in Germany. I don't know, somewhere around Stuttgart. And I, I go in. And there was 90 people at this talk. I called it a talk. And, and after about half hour into the talk, I said, okay, please get in groups of three. Move your chairs around and get in groups of three. We're going to do a little exercise. 
And the little exercise had something to do with feeling something. It was just about feeling something. Well, there were people who'd never felt anything consciously before in their lives, and people were freaking out. And the problem was this I deceived them because I told them it was going to be a talk, and I delivered a work talk that had an exercise in it. So you really need to tell people it's going to be a work talk where there will be an exercise in it. Because the next time I came to town, there was 15 people at my talk. You get what I'm saying? I created this wave, made this mistake of betraying people that it was too scary. People can't come to that talk space anymore. And that's where I learned, hey, this is not a talk. It's a work talk. And so the people at your work talk will get fed. This, they will start encompassing the new territory that you that you brought to them in the work talk space. And then you go to the next edge. That's what it is. You go to the next edge. And that's how we build out archiarchy. It's how we build it out. In rea- and we, we, we establish, go to the edge, build out the new territory, inhabit it. It's no longer the edge. And go to the next edge. And we're just building out new territory. Phyllis, are you going to say something? Yeah. Do you remember when that happened in Eugene? You were giving a work you a work talk, and the group got really angry at you because you were requesting that they become vulnerable. What happened after that? They never invited me back <laughs> to Eugene. Yeah. Well, or at least to that venue. <laughs> yeah. Was it was know. it was it not clear that it was a work talk, or was that not clear? Well, I think it was clear. I I think what happened is they did not expect that you would be asking them to pair up and be vulnerable. And and they wanted to be asked about whether or not it was okay. They wanted you, the other person to give for them to give permission to ask a question or to, to get information about them to become vulnerable rather than just to ask it outright. Yeah, thank you. It was kind of a typical typical Eugene thing, you know. (laughs) No, but but thank you for bringing that in. It's just really important to match into people's traditions in the local area. Yeah. I obviously was not aware of that tradition at the time. Well, it's a tradition in that particular, in the new culture community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the point is, the, this edge work is really simple. Find an edge, go all the way to the edge and stay there and do edge work experiments. That is that is the edge work. And that's what it is to be an edge worker. And so what I'm trying to share, which I think you all actually already know, is simply how how great it is to be an edge worker. It's like Ingrid said, I'm an experimenter. I am an experimenter. And how great that is because it re- immediately releases you, it frees you from this other identity of being a citizen or a good person or whatever job you have in modern culture, you know, I don't know, a teacher, a nurse, whatever, caretaker. You know, if you are an experimenter, you suddenly gain access to opportunities that were not available to you in your previous role. So you let the old role fall off and you and you shift into being an edge worker or an experimenter and you're free of 
the constraints on your behavior or your awareness that are mandated by your current, you know, your, your identity in modern culture. And so it's a fabulous thing to do. And I just, um, it's exciting because you get food, you get engaged with larger forces in the universe, like evolution and echo and your bright principles and such, that those come rolling through your world and feed you. And not only that, but actually in those spaces that you're holding, you can provide that food for other people, which is a, a fabulous non-material value that you can provide food for other people. It's as if you became a, a gardener. They could drop you in a desert. And in one evening, you could change the desert to a tropical food forest, you know, tropical food forest in one evening for people who thought there was nothing. And they walk out going, gosh, this is so, there's so much possible here. And they fed, they actually get to eat the food that you bring in this space. And you, you're creating a feast in a desert as a non-material value. And this is, I'm telling you, once you, once you get this, you can go anywhere in the world and not worry about not having enough money because people will feed you, house you, clothe you if you just make feasts for them and teach them how to make feasts like that. How do they do that? And so you, you get access to the whole planet. Like we're designed, you know, Gaia is begging us to, to become facilitated, like, like, like what do you say? agentified like to gain gain access to this capacity because it's she it's designed into us so Gaia is like hoping you know celebrating like you know why are you putting chemicals on crops and trying to mass market food you know like in New Zealand here they they've chopped down all the trees and destroyed all the forests and put sheep there and what do they do with the sheep? Well, they chop them up and sell them to the global market. Why do they do that? Well, so they get enough money to buy carrots and potatoes so they can eat. Well, hell, why don't they grow carrots and potatoes instead of sheep? You know, then you you lose so much efficiency in the whole thing about you just grow carrots and potatoes. You don't need to do this whole forest chopping, land chopping, you know, international global market stuff it's a, it's really a so so this is what this is the level of of talent that's designed into us that's ready to implement right at your fingertips right at the edge that we're talking about right at the edge your that interests you right at the edge that would feed you you're not doing this for other people you're doing it for yourself if you're not feeding yourself in your edge work it's not an edge work talk like if you're if you're doing a work talk and you're not feeding yourself in that talk, if you're not at your edge, it's not a work talk. You do it at your edge. So you get fed. And while you get fed, everybody else gets fed. So it's not like you're doing it for them and they give you money. You know, that's not what this is. You go in there and you create a feast for yourself. And there's so much for everybody else and everybody gets fed. And then you go home and it's like, gosh, what was that? It was really like Kian said. You know, he comes in, he goes four hours of feast for everybody. And he walks home and he's like, whoa, what was this? And it was like, okay, do the next feast. Will it be the same as the last feast? Probably not. 
That was the hint about it. It probably won't be the same as the last one. So even if you get good at doing a, a certain kind of, you know, it becomes familiar and comfortable for you to do a certain kind of work talk, skip it. You know, just don't do that one anymore. Do, do 10 other ones. You know, go to your possibility team and say, please give me titles for 10 work talks that I am too afraid to give. And they will tell you. They know right where your edges are. And they will tell you those 10 work talks. And then go do those, you know, and use your possibility <laughs> team. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because yeah. those are the ones where your edges are. And everybody knows everybody else's edges. So it's, that's why we come together in groups. It's easier to find other people's edges than our own. Anything about that right now? All right. It's a map of edge work. So I'm in the book reading the last paragraph on page 225. And it says, when doing edge work, avoid the temptation of diving into new perspectives with as much fanatical fervor as you had committed to staying in your original perspective. So Again, Kian, we're going back to you about this thing. God, I can I can do a great couples coaching. And then you jump in and get fanatical about it and you commit to that. And this is saying when you're doing edge work, try to avoid that. Because all you're doing is returning to certainty. You're trying to return to certainty. Oh, yes, I'm expert at delivering couples coachings. Okay. Returning to certainty regardless of where the certainty is turns out to be more of a handicap than a benefit. With certainty, many options are lost. That's what it's saying. When you start clamping down and holding on and giving, having comfort and certainty, you're losing options. Fluidity is replaced by rigidity. You get that? You're trying to replace fluid. And so... You know, human beings are were designed to fly. So the thing is about becoming fluid and clamping onto, yes, I am a couple's coaching, you know. Um, that that's solidity again, that's rigidity. So fluidity is replaced by rigidity, and then available resources are being ignored. You're ignoring the new options that you're being given. You cannot see them because you are blinded by your certainty that no more resources are available. And it's this, it's this fear. It's, are you, how about you're gonna say something? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, it's because uh, everybody was present in that moment. Or it's when you said, when I told you about my experiment to accept, uh, uh, to do radical acceptance, I was in this, okay, I'm expecting too much. I have too much stories about my children. I, I, I want this and I want that and I'm not okay and I have this not okay book and I have to learn how to accept things. I was still in the certainty of thinking that I know who I am and I know how it should be and things. And then you came up with this other experiment about noticing and noticing what I don't notice and and what's the purpose and stuff. And then I was I was doing that and then the next level was I was noticing that I did not notice how much 
next culture is already in my life. And then I I had to become this yeah, this edge worker who's looking out for the things I don't notice, right? And that was amazing. That was really and I I see how this is is not my comfort zone to to be to be okay, like to be glad about things or to to have things work. And I see, for example, at, at my work that they use Taurus technology already. Like they don't <laughs> call it that way, but the way they do it is that. And and then they're shifting from this, like just what you said. We are doing it for us, and then see what how it goes, and who can take some of it instead of we have to deliver for them. Like all the shifts are already happening in so many ways in in my circles that I didn't see, that I didn't notice. And then I have this story of, oh, I challenge my, my clients too much, or I challenge the people in the fear club too much. And then I got this feedback from one person of my fear club, oh, I'm so glad that you um, trusted me, that I can do that. And I, and I said, wow, I'm so glad that you're not annoyed by me. And then she said, how can I be annoyed? You so you're feeling as you're not in, like that's what you said, and I, I don't notice it. I, I like, and to go there and notice it is, is actually my uncomfortable zone. Yeah, thank you for taking that. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to add something too. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying about continuing to teach new things, and I also want to express my experience in teaching the same class for 15 years. And, and it was on feeling, it was a, called options to anger. And, and so there was a skill level, but then there was also this whole vulnerable level. And it took, every time I taught it, I had fear because some, my students were different. I never knew what was going to happen from day to day. And every time I taught it, um, I learned I needed it in order to continue my own growth in because when I started, I knew nothing about what I was feeling. And here I am teaching this class. And I also want to say that I had students, some students taking it. Um, these are high school students, like four or five times. And they continued. They, you know, while the fear changed, the edge changed, it was still there. and the they took it for that many semesters because they needed it they needed to continue growing and so yeah so i just wanted to to say that too because it's another possibility yeah thank you i mean you called it the same title but the class is continually evolving yeah I mean, you, you had to you had to name it the same but i you know, if you had freedom of naming it, you probably would have given it different names as you went along, but it was the same name, but you were different and the class was different in the, yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. true. Yeah. God, I yeah, wish you were my teacher back then, you know, when I was in high school. <laughs> really? I wish there was something like that in my high school. Were you able to replace yourself? Was Were there other, is there somebody teaching that now? No, the guy who took my place was not willing to take the risk. It was very disappointing. Yeah. Firing. Um, yeah. Firing. Yeah. I, well, I didn't get to hire him, unfortunately. Well, no, no. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> God. Who, 
Just because you didn't hire him doesn't mean you can't fire him. God, we I would fire the president of the United States. So it was actually disappointing. You. It was disappointing by the administration too. They hmm. because they saw progress and they were kind of blown away by it. You know, kids that they stuck in the class who were not willing to take the class and then make big changes. Yeah. So nice work, but, Phyllis. Thank you for doing that. You know, I'd like you to write a book about it. I could probably. <laughs> there are enough experiences in those 15 years. Well, consider it, you know, in terms yeah. of what you were teaching, what not not necessarily what happened, but what you were teaching, how the teaching evolved. You know, what, you learned so many exercises and so many distinctions and so many possibility ways to um, open doors for, for people who just slam their doors shut, you know. And you were opening doors for them. Yeah. And the reason they asked me to teach that class is because Kip Kinkle had just shot up a school in this local area. And he was a ninth grader who was disenfranchised. And so um, and so they and who had anger. And so, yeah, so they did something about it and asked me to teach this class, which really did help some of those kids who felt disenfranchised and, and alone. Yeah. Well, Thoughtware Press is looking for interesting manuscripts. So all we need is a manuscript from you. I'll consider it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I want to go back to this last thing that I said from the book here. This is we, we cannot see the resources because we're blinded by our certainty that no more resources are available. And the, the I want to tell you that this is the this is the core of the quote unquote American copyright terror, you know, terror, this inner fear that if you get one new idea, you copyright it, you register the name, you get lawyers there. And you and you and you think, well, good, I got my one new idea. I can do my workshop or my consulting or whatever with that one new idea because that's all I'll ever get in my life. You know, that there like new ideas are so rare. It's the viewpoint in the American copyright system that we must guard them. You know, nobody else can use this idea because I found it, I made it, it's my idea. And if you use it, I'm going to send the lawyers after you and sue you and you put you in jail because you, you, I'm the one who got this idea. And that whole insane fear of, of not having enough new ideas is the basis of the whole lawyer system and copyright system. And it's so contrary to reality in terms of the infinite resources that are available to human beings. And so people think of big resources or a lot of resources or many resources, they think, but still our idea of resources is that they can be exhausted because that's where functioning in the physical domain. You know, if you dig up all the coal and fucking burn it and make it into carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, then it will be gone, you know, and then the, all the coal is gone. So there are limited, uh, metal salts that are using for batteries for cadmium and, and chromium and all the all the elements that are needed for building these batteries for electric cars these days. And so they're going to 
They want to go dig up the rest of it in Venezuela or whatever, and or the desert in America. And and the the desperation that comes from a, a, a world in which the resources are limited is down to this cutthroat, you know, if I don't get it, you know, I'll die situation. But in terms of non-material resources, it's possible for resources to be infinite. We don't even, we can't even hardly conceive of infinite resources. Yet we're surrounded by them and we're made out of them. And so, so the idea of getting access to an unlimited supply, an infinite resource of possibility or just, you know, clarity or that, that, that to move, to shift into this kind of in almost irrational generosity that comes from radically relying on infinite resources is a whole new world that we are designed for and yet not trained how to use. And so this is another thing that for edge work, for us to discover in our edge work, is that we have access to unlimited, uh, infinite, like actually infinite resources that that are to be as much as we can give them away, more will come. Like by giving them away, it makes a space for more to come. And so that's what happens in your in your work talks, your workshops, your your um, coaching sessions, like wherever you're, whatever you're providing in terms of non-linear value of non-material value has, is a ta- is a, a doorway, a, a spigot through which these infinite resources can come into the world and you get to be the spigot. And so, you know, if there, if you're the spigot, you know, if you're the, the faucet thing where the, where the resources come through, the resources are grateful to you for being the faucet, for being the spigot. They are great because without you, they don't have access to the world. And so the resources themselves, as they move through you, give you a little extra. They give you a little extra vitality, a little extra health, a little extra luck, a little extra interesting coincidences. Has anybody noticed that when you start being the space through which your bright principles and stuff can do their work in the world that things start getting better. Anybody notice that? There's coincidences. Okay, if you, yeah, about half, all right. Yes, more than half, okay. Yeah, or even Arena says that. Yeah, so, so okay, so you can rely on that. There's a kind of, it's a, fast, it's a fabulous experiment to, to go to the edge and rely on the radical, the, the, radically rely on infinite resources to support you when you are staying at the edge and just instead of going back to the known you know the solid the familiar the comfortable the ordinary you know just stay out there and just keep providing resources for your people and just and and relying on that the resources will also support you and so this is I don't know, some of you have made this shift. You know, you've you've made out the shift out of the survival scarcity context into the abundant, I hate to use that word, like infinite, like the, the possibility of infinite resources. There's this shift. It's just a, an inner shift where you have experienced it. How many people have, have had that shift? You would say you've had that shift. Okay. Okay. 
So if you have not, if you didn't feel that shift yet, talk to one of those people who had their hand up. Just say, talk talk to me about it. Can Does anybody want to tell a story now? Can any of you, Gina, you put your hand up. Can you say about that? Or Ava, Gina, go ahead. I think it started for me with connecting with the earth more. So spending time outdoors and really being mindful of the plants and the animals and that they're beings like me. And I just kind of had, I guess at some point it just sunk in that that is what I'm part of. And it's, it's part of me and I'm, it's, um, it's infinite and abundant. And I really felt energetically the connection. And then I got into manifesting and like wanting material things. So I started saying affirmations and thinking to myself, I already have it or, or there's an infinite supply. And it didn't, that experiment didn't turn out how I expected, but it turned out better. It just, it, it was like programming myself to be more receptive, to accept what's already there. And to, and to realize I don't have control necessarily of getting things I want, but what I need is, in my experience, it usually comes to me in some way. And if it doesn't, when I want it to or expect it to, I have the inner knowing maybe that it's not the time or it's going to come later or it's like a new route for me to take. Thank you. Thanks. Was, was there somebody else going to say yeah, for me, it's showing up with, I used to have this mindset that I have to do work, even though I don't really love it, just because I just have to do it to to survive financially or so. So I was stuck in this job that was, it was okay, but it wasn't really feeding my soul at all. And then I, with doing rage work more and more, I just came to this point where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to. And Actually, this shift was like, why should I be here to do things I don't want to? That that's not right. So I'm I'm just doing what I want to do, and and that's actually working. It's it's like clients show up and people I can work together show up, and we're creating together, or I create something alone, and it's just it it it's just turning out from from like day to day that that's actually possible to just stick with. I'm not doing stuff I don't want to do. That's just done. I'm over with that. And it's, it's working so far. And yeah. Thank you. You know, even if that was the... I've had her hand up for about two minutes now. Who? You can't see Habet. Okay. Habet, go ahead. Um, what came to me is that, like, the abstract wording did not help for me, like, to rely on right principles. But when I got that lost or, yeah, all those right principles, that they are not a feeling, that love is not a feeling, uh, but a force, like gravity. Uh, and I, then I got that I'm working against it. 
Like it's not just about relying on it, but to stop working against it. But to like I think that would work against gravity. That's so nonsense to do. But actually I'm doing it all the time with all the other bright things. And to 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 find a way of listening to it and following it and everything else, like what's happening inside of me, all these ghost reactions, all these feelings and stuff, is uh, it disappears while this force is still there. So relying on the force is, is actually the only thing that is reliable, while everything else is this money against the wall or kind of, I don't know, working against yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Sonia, go ahead. Uh, this this question uh, brings me to uh, something I am exploring about being a victim, and I'm I'm discovering this energetic sensation about being a victim, and for me, it is connected to scarcity, and it is also connected with being a no. And while reading the No Reason book, I got this sentence of being a yes and how the universe is constant creation. And when one moves into a yes, into being a yes, this flows back. And I've experienced a a shift from this state of victim and scarcity to this place... of yes, and it's 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 not even a step or a half step. It's 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 so small, and and yet it's so difficult to go back there to to move from one into the other. And what is helping me is just by saying the 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 sentence of being a yes, something happens. There's an opening in in the energetic body and in this place of being a victim of scarcity, of lacking. And I just realized that I'm not even sharing what I'm discovering and I'm constantly exploring and discovering things and I'm not sharing them. And this comes from this same place of scarcity and holding on to things. Time for another edge experiment. <laughs> yeah, try to give it all away. Really give it away. It's it's uh it's that it's it's just a a different habit. It's really a different thing. Anyway, let us know how that goes, okay? Yes. Thank you. She said yes, see? (laughs) (laughs) Ingrid. I I feel fear about what I want to share. I I was... uh, almost 40 years ago, committed to support 
the music of a composer, my husband. And in a way, it costed my health. And I'm, I'm surprised myself when I ask the question, was it worth it? The answer is yes. And so no regrets, no resentment, no victim, nothing of that. And now Echo put me out of that house. I I have a I can relate to Denis, my husband. And uh, I got this this name on my symptoms, ALS, which for physicians is not healable. It's, but, and I feel the real possibility that I won't die of that. This doesn't mean that I cling to that I might survive. I might die, but I might survive also. It's it's not important. It's even not important. What I feel this infinite possibility is I feel really there is it is infinite uh, I don't know know what will happen and uh, this is this is this is poor pure joy but it's not the right word the right word is it's uh, it's a dialogue it's a dialogue with the with the life it's a dialogue in 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 any moment and who knows when the dialogue will finish i don't know true for all of us if we are willing to exit the fantasy world. Thank you. I want to share about an experiment I've been doing. Go. I've been noticing sometimes I, it's like that internal voice that I hear of myself saying something in response to something, but not out loud. And I also sometimes perceive that I hear what's underneath what someone else is saying that they're not saying out loud. And two things that I've been noticing that don't sit well with me are when I hear, mm, I don't care or let go or go away. So three things actually. And when I notice either myself or 
it happening with someone else, I, in my energetic body, replace, I kind of like use a word or something to attach to that and transform it. And I've been connecting it with my work with people who experience suicidal ideation or who have tried to kill themselves because I've been having this realization that when people are walking around in the world, if they are hearing that, either out loud or, or not, that is, and they're already feeling so lonely and disconnected, it can lead to them killing themselves. And so I feel like I have this ability to change, to transform it. And I don't know how really to explain it in words well, but I think it's happening in the energetic body and it's, um, yeah, it's been a fruitful experience for me. And I've been able to catch myself when and be more mindful when I'm saying it to myself or to, or to someone too. And what do you just say? Like, what do you actually like, say? If I'm like, if someone says something and I'm like, I don't care, like I hear myself say, I don't care. Then I'm like, no, <laughs> I can, I can always care and I can always hold on and I can always um, stay. It's, an, it's just an experiment. Thank you. It's the next sentence in the book is sort of about what you just said, Gina, because when you when somebody says, I don't care, it's a kind of certainty. The certainty I don't care. And even with the handicaps, the book says, even with the handicaps of certainty being so clearly spelled out, it is not as easy to abandon certainty as one might imagine. So when you contradict the I don't care thing, it get, you know, it's, it's not as easy. It's not just, you know, saying the opposite. It's actually a different universe. Caring is a different universe. Being certain that you don't care is one universe and caring is another universe. And to shift from one universe to the other. So, for example, one religious fundamental, I mean, let me get a grip on this one saying here for example one religious fundamentalist miraculously freed from the thought prison of her original beliefs found that she had the strong tendency to establish herself in new beliefs with equal extremism so that's what we're talking about is like this extremism thing so recovering Fundam recovering fundamentalists may take on vegetarianism or ecology as a replacement fanatical belief systems because the uncertainty of having no belief system feels so unsolid, you know, no fundamental belief system. So the experience of having no fundamentally true, you know, the right belief system feels so unsolid. Uncertainty is unsolid. However, 
consistent experimentation with edge work reveals that certainty is an illusionary safe harbor, not sponsored in a universe that flows. You get that? We're in a universe that flows. Pantare is a Greek saying that from some guy, but he said Pantare, it means everything flows. So we're in a universe that's flowing. So certainty is not sponsored. It's an illusionary safe harbor, and it's not sponsored in a universe that flows. The groundless experience is a hard-earned and hard-kept treasure for the edge worker. That treasure, once found, can be well put to use. The treasure of groundlessness, that you're actually okay in groundlessness. Uh, I'm at the end of this section. We've got 15 minutes left. I'm... Is there anything anybody would like to say at this point? Solange, yes. Yes, I will try to uh, speak my best English. I would like to uh, to share with you uh, an experience, an experimentation that, that I made this week. Uh, I made a new friend at the pool. At, uh, and uh, she, she, we, we are friends now. And uh, she, once... She told me, I don't want you to come to my home. She, she, uh, she repeated a few times because uh, at my home it's not clean and I don't want anybody at my home. That was okay. I'm the, 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 the kind of person that don't uh, like to press people. But this week, I have the, <laughs> I have the impression to ask her to go to your to their own, to, to, to her own. And uh, I don't know why, but uh, I decided to go at the edge. For me, it was the edge to, to, to ask. And I was a little bit shy, and, uh, um, and I told her that I, I would like you to invite me to your own. And I was thinking I was a little bit... Uh, uh, worried, uh, fear to uh, to uh, to press her, and I was thinking, and she said, "I agree." <laughs> I I almost didn't hear what what she said. I agree. You can come home. I, I she said it's not clean. See, but I I told her you are clean. See? You're 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 the pe- you're the person. You're clean. That's enough for me. See, and. Uh, I'm really glad did, that I asked her. I, I don't know why I, I did it, but uh, I, I was full of joy and uh, just sharing uh, with you the, the story. It's it's, uh, it's really uh, like a miracle. Yeah. See? And uh, I, because <laughs> I uh, I went to the edge see? to be a, a different person. That uh, it's not my. I know. I knew. That before the study group, I uh, I knew I I will not go there. See, uh, and I did. 
And uh, I was prepared to re reject, but she didn't reject me. And uh, she said, I agree. And she, uh, I, I felt her, her joy too, to go farther than she had. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you. Janet Redmond, did you talk? How's it going in your edge work experiments? I'm going to Murawai Surf Club this weekend. I've been down there with the people really badly affected with all the, there's lots of red stickered properties. Red, could you explain so, what that is? Uh, Murawai is a west coast beach in Auckland that's been devastated by the cyclone. So I'm in the middle of buying an Aki van, which is an Aki Aki caravan that can be used for but used for the one family in Murawai, and then it will be used for our Arkan village after that. Wow. So that's that's my edge being around these people who are so numb that it's been there's four major West Coast beaches that have been completely devastated, homes lost, and uh, however, communities happening. People's beings are doing what villagers can do. So I have a lot of joy, and one advantage of being a nomad, I get to go where the impulse leads me. Are you actually That's helping clean up stuff, or are you, are you having sessions yeah. with people? Yeah, both, whatever's needed. I'm around and available, and I put it out on the global our platform. Anybody that's willing to donate a small amount to get a caravan for a family to live in. And it seems a real practical way to introduce possibility management and who I am and what I do. Yeah, it's a nature's... Uh, effort, whatever, to make a crack, you know, to make cracks in our certainty about our, you know, our technical sovereignty, you know, in our of modern culture. And it just comes in with a simple cyclone and just wipes out. Yeah, yeah it's incredible yeah. how people probably, most people don't know how there's this huge logging industry up in around Auckland where they are Cut, you know, planting and cutting down pine trees and then shipping that off to China. And then, and then, but they're leaving the debris uh, from there, chopping down the trees. And the cyclone has taken the debris and thrown it into the, into the canyons. And then it gets washed down the river and it completely jams up bridges. Bridges are collapsing and it throws the, it throws the, the water this, with this out into farmlands because it can't flow down the canyon because there's so much debris. It just floods out farmlands. And it's just the uh, kind of the trying to escape responsibility by corporations, you know, in terms of trashing out the environment. It's just getting, it's like the shit is hitting the fan. And it's, and people suffer at the same time people wake up. So, and Janet, I thank yeah. you for your, for your work in there as an agent of waking people waking up. Thank you. Yeah. 
So the, the next paragraph in the book is just this invitation for our next week. It's called Find an Edge. Start experimenting with sliding out of your marshmallow zone, which is easy, you know, because marshmallow zone is slippery, you know, it's sweet. It's just like you slide right out sideways and move towards edges in unexpected or unusual ways. This is our experiment this week. You will discover that your box is constructed with myriads of fine to rough edges. So very fine edges or very rough edges at your box. Examine the edges as you discover them. Examine the edge long enough to get a sense of how strongly that particular edge shapes the way the world looks to you. That's the experiment, is to go find the edge and see how much it shapes how you perceive, how you can participate in the world. Edges reveal themselves when you internally ask certain rare questions. If you listen openly to your answers, you may find that the universe has been asking you such questions for quite some time. Questions like, how honest can I be? In this relationship, in this situation, how honest can I be? Notice if your body has an immediate contraction away from that edge. And because contraction is this resistance, it's this fear. So you can notice, or if it relaxes, notice if your body contracts or relaxes. When How honest can I be with the, my boss, with my customers, with my neighbors, with my parents, with myself, you know, particularly with myself? How honest can I be? Or another, another question, how much fun am I allowed to have? And we don't mean gremlin fun. I mean, this really ecstatic, pure joy, this transformational, evolutionary fun. It's not a gremlin fun. How long can I have, can I enjoy or endure ecstasy? You know, the joy, the fun, the pleasure. How, how long can I enjoy it before I have to shut it down? You know, that's too much. It's too much joy. That's enough. That's enough. You know, like that. How long can I stay unhookable when I'm talking to someone of the opposite sex? How long can I, like, you know, do you walk up there and they don't even say anything and you're already hooked? Could be like that. How long can you stay unhookable? And how, you know, what are the ways for being unhookable? Like how many unhookability experiments can you do at the same time? Or how totally can I accept my okayness? This is really tough for German people. How long can I accept my okayness? Or in what circumstances can I accept my okayness? You know, if you have your archetypal lineage and your archetypal lineage is saying, I want you to go talk to this millionaire over there. You know, and I want you to interview him about some personal question. Like, how how long can you be okay enough to do that? Or to this crippled person, you know? I want you to go talk to this crippled person. Your archetypal lineage is telling you this. And you go, I'm, I'm not okay around a crippled person. Whatever. Or how much discipline can I practice? You know, 
how, to how much discipline can I practice on myself without torturing myself? It's not about torturing yourself. It's about flossing your teeth. You know, it's about making your bed. It's about, you know, keeping your promise. It's about paying back your debts completely. So you have zero debts in every domain. You know, how, many, how much stuff have you borrowed from somebody that you did not give back yet that you said you would? Stuff like that. How much can I ask for help? I mean, that's it's fabulous in this team here where people say, look, could you guys help me with this emotional healing process? Can you, can you accompany me? It's this huge edge to work on. It's an edge. How much can I ask for help? How few beliefs can I have? You know, a belief is a Band-Aid. It covers over the answer to a question, which is, I don't know. And we can't handle the I don't know thing. So we put a Band-Aid over it with a belief. So we walk around in the world with it carrying these beliefs. How few beliefs can you have? What happens when you tear off the Band-Aids and you just throw them into the fire, throw your beliefs into a fire? What are you with no beliefs? How much of a problem can I be? What's your edge with how big of a problem you can be? That's a good one. How exciting can I let my edge work experiments get? Now, you, you know you can do ordinary edge experiments. Can, can you do exciting edge experiments? How insane can I appear and in front of who, whom? How insane, how crazy can you look? How intensely can I love somebody? What's your edge about how intensely you can love somebody? For how long can you love them? How long can I work without needing to be successful? You know, if you've got something cool going on and it's totally crazy, you know, nobody knows about it or how long can you work on that stuff without needing to be so somebody goes, oh, you're successful. Your dad, your dad goes, are you successful yet? You know, how long can you work on stuff? How much sorrow can I experience and share? How close can I come to my soul? You know, and be there. How long can I go without a fight or an argument? or a rage outburst? How persistently can I align my actions to creating what really matters to me and let everything else fall to the side? Questions like these bring you immediately to the edgy sensation of being at an edge. Finding an edge is not necessarily comforting, but it is definitely out of the marshmallow zone. Can you feel it? It's out of the marshmallow zone. Take notice of any edges that would excite you to explore in edge work experiments and then stay at the edge. So that's about enough for now. Anybody have anything to say to wrap it up today? Ellen, are you going to say something or are you just going to 
say goodbye. I just thought when you read those questions, that's actually where liveliness happens on the edge. And yeah, I'm keen to go there or be in that because I love life. Perfect. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Good luck in your edge work experiments. Take it to the edge. Thank you. One more okay. thing I thought of. Go ahead. Thank you. I heard someone say once that uh, something was their greatest joy and their greatest sorrow. And I just thought of it. And I thought about uh, one time, Ingrid, you said um, the brilliant pain, I think. The exquisite pain. Exquisite pain. Okay, stay in touch with everybody. Keep connecting. See you guys next time. Bye. 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 Thank you. Best wishes to Aunt Chloe. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.